Hi, welcome back to the Huddle Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm here with Dave, Freya and Amelia. And we're joined today with a, sp- a very special guest from Itchy's Ghost, based in Carlisle, uh, Seth. Hi, yeah, do you want to introduce yourself, Seth? Hi, yeah, my name's Seth. I'm a member of Itchy's Ghost. And yeah, I'm pleased to be here. Westlake's Science Park. Thank you. Cool. <laughs> so we've got a bit of an icebreaker just to start us off. Um, a bit of randomness to kick it in with. Um, does anyone here believe in aliens? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Have we all seen the news w- about what's going on in America recently with the UFOs and all that sort of stuff? Yes. Yeah, I've seen part of it, but I don't actually know what's going on. Well, <laughs> yeah, um, me neither. There's a. I think people got way too excited about it, um, especially in America. They said all the governments admitted aliens are real, but actually, it was a hearing where you sign. You know, under, I'm under oath, and someone said, "Oh, yeah, the government's hiding aliens, and they've they've got corpses and, and vehicles from, yeah. from outer space." And it doesn't mean there is; it just means this guy said it. You can say yeah, anything yeah, you yeah, like yeah. in court. You know, it doesn't mean it's true. People lie all the time, I guess. So yeah. that's it. But people I, believe it. People yeah, people. Yeah, well, yeah. it was under oath, so they think like this oath is like this magic seal. You say it, and that's yeah. like that's it, really. Yeah. But it's not. They do it in court as well. They swear on the Bible, and everyone goes, oh, "It must be true." <laughs> then, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. when was the last time you went to church, though? Hmm. Yeah. But I, I seen it, and it, and I, t- I was like, okay, because this guy who's been under oath, and he's some like high-ranking guy. And you kind of go, oh, well, what can it mean? And I was thinking, is, it, is there anything in it then? Uh, um, but then I thought, do you know what? I'm going to wait until Brian Cox yeah. <laughs> says something about it. And then, like, lo and behold, later that day, Brian Cox did a tweet. He was like, everyone's asking me about these UFOs. And he's like, nah, it's a load of rubbish. rubbish. And people are, like, going, ah, and they give him a load of stick for that. And they were saying he wasn't being very scientific. So he'd done another one, and he was, like, going, um... Where's the evidence then? (laughs) You know, that's it. And you kind of go, he's right, isn't he? Mm. You know, these people are all saying there's UFOs, aliens, they're all in here. And you're like, go go on then. (laughs) Show us at least a good photograph or a good bit of video, not one of them grainy things, considering everyone's got an iPhone now. You know, a nice clear uh, video of these UFOs. And it's not there. And I'm like, well... I'm with Brian Cox on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone's got an iPhone, but everyone films on a potato. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. But it's one of those things because, like, for as long as like YouTube's been around, there's always been people being like, "Oh, there's a UFO in my garden" or whatever, <laughs> and people like filming the stars like going on and off or whatever. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where it's like it's just a plane. Yeah, yeah. Or like it's, it's like it's like blown up now. Yeah, I mean, mean, don't get us wrong. In the words of uh, Mulder and Scully, I want to believe. I mm. genuinely would love that to be the thing that, or oh, there are some aliens, or is it another life force here or whatever. But again, the other point is, well, we know that in um, the galaxies we can see in, in our solar system, there's no life. So they, whatever it is has to come from beyond that. Like that would make them like really advanced. If yeah. that's the case... Mm. Why do they keep crashing in the desert <laughs> in yeah. the same place, you know? Yeah. And also, yeah. like, are they just like us? Are they also looking? Are they less advanced? Are they, like, plants? Whatever, what yeah, is it? True. Like, you know, and yeah. there's, like, the whole... There's, like, two paradoxes of, like, your the, the Earth... The, the universe is so infinitely vast that it's almost statistically... It is statistically impossible that there isn't life out there. Yeah. But then there's also this Fermi paradox, which is the scientist... I can't remember his first name, but 
based on the fact that, well, okay, so the infinite is so vast and infinite that there should be an infinite amount of life forms that are infinitely intelligent and infinitely unintelligent. But why haven't they reached that? Why haven't we seen it? It's like, it's a, that's another statistical anomaly that it's, I mean, it's all speculation. It's all maths. It's like, but then, like you said, no, why haven't we seen anything? Mm. No one, and it's not reliable. Like, there's no like video interviews of some like crazy redneck out in like <laughs> I don't know, like the like Appalachia, like doing like a selfie video, just being like, like what is you, what are you, just, you know, like any, you know what I mean? There's nothing like that. It's yeah, all just yeah. like grainy pics of like weird metal work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's also. If I was an alien, I don't think I'd be bothered about coming here. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, me neither. That, if I was that advanced to go anywhere in the universe, yeah. Earth would not be my first choice. <laughs> no, no. No, probably not. But then no. again, you've got to look around at, like, what other planets uh, sustain life, you know? So maybe it would be a beacon of somewhere to to go. <laughs> but yeah. when you got here, that yeah. would be the thing, wouldn't yeah. it? Oh, we've made a well, dreadful mistake. <laughs> I always see on TikTok, right? All my information comes from TikTok, so it's obviously <laughs> extremely reliable. Um, there's this planet somewhere that's like the deadliest conditions. It, The wind is like travels at the speed of sound and it rains glass. Wow. So there's that. There yeah, must we'll be life there. Like, you know, there's insects that can live in lava and stuff, uh, yeah. you know. And there's like, you know, that film Don't Look Up with uh, Leonardo oh, yes. DiCaprio and... Um, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, the end of it. Have you seen, I don't want to spoil it much. I don't. You know, I'm not going to spoil it. You know what? We'll leave it. Um, basically, there's you know the the idea that you can go to this like Goldilocks zone of the of the of the universe, which is where everything's just right. The temperatures are just right for human life. But then you don't know what else is living there that might not see humans as a welcome species and might uh, just yeah, bite your heads yeah. off and stuff. So, yeah. Okay. So. What we're saying, we don't believe in these I, aliens. I, no, I think I do. I, yeah, I, I want do. to, but I just don't know if I believe what's going on. Okay. Because yeah. I feel like everyone claims that like there's like aliens out there, and it's like the Area 51 situation yeah. where everyone wanted to read it. It was like it just, it just became like a bit of like a, a meme. So, <laughs> so here's the thing then: if you're kind of saying, "Well, we're not too sure about this." What's that guy's motivation? He's had this really long, prestigious career in the US military or something mm-hmm. like that, and he's got an office in the Pentagon and all this kind of thing, yeah. and you're like, what is his motivation his now at the end of his career to go, by the way, someone told me the aliens are real. Yeah, maybe, you someone, know. maybe someone ate a sandwich, so he wants to get them back. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> raided the fridge in the but Pentagon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So go on to the next segment. Um, we'll start to learn more about yourself, Seth, and the music that you make with Itchy's Ghost. Um, so if you want, if we kind of want to take it back to the beginning, really, and tell us a bit more about kind of how and your other uh, uh, music member kind of met together and how you started making music. Yeah, so um, it started off as a solo effort where, um, like, early on in uni, I would... I mean, I've been making music for, like, before then, but before I started getting into what I was doing now, I kind of just wanted to make beats and stuff, but, like, breaks and um, basically anything loud that got you moving that that just was so in your face. I I I really appreciated that style of art, and I wanted to do that through music, and, and then I kind of really got into just, I guess, like, oh, no, it has to be instrumental because... Like, you know, people don't focus on the little details and stuff. But then, you know, I met my housemate um, in my first year of university. So that I, I've been making it before uni, then 
transferred. And um, yeah, we just really vibed. Like we were both like we're really into the same like same music and same scene but in like different ways and he was just like super like into what we were doing and what i was um planning for it and yeah we just met we i i we just shared music one night and he shared me some like lyrics he'd made like acapellas over like you know youtube beats and stuff like you know x type beat yeah, like yeah. you know um Lil B type B and stuff. Uh, I, you know, I wish he was here. I w I'm not doing him a good yeah. service, like because I don't know if he'd like me to say that. He's a big Eminem fan, right? So yeah. mm -hmm. he'll do a lot of that lyrical miracle stuff. And then, and I'm not really like into that sort of stuff. But then I sent him my first beat I ever made, which is like a straight rap beat that he really likes, and he did a bar for it. But we never, we never went with that. I, I ended up recording over that over a EP we did um, most recently um at least at last month but that was the first one he did and then we just vibed and we just decided to like make beats and I, we sent them i sent them to him and um he sent me his uh his acapellas and we just mixed them together we just like really sort of we see it as like a really long-term thing and yeah. like we got the same vision which is really good really yeah, good mates and, and stuff like kind of like a key part really knowing that like being able to see the same thing for each other and like go for it and i mean we've been listening to some of your stuff and we think like for because obviously we we know quite a few musicians in Cumbria and I think the sound of what you make and what your friend makes as well is like, it's quite unique to the area really. Yeah, It's yeah. not like something, like if we went on like, looked at like a Cumbrian music playlist, it might yeah. not be the most, like it's, I think it's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Being able to that, see that. that's what we thought. It's like, there's a lot of um, indie bands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, like mean, solo yeah. artists. Mm. And it's like, there isn't a lot of... Uh, like different kinds of local musicians stuff mm -hmm. coming through. Have you found that? Well, um, the crap, like I, I still, I'm, I'm definitely not in this, the local scene, not for, you know, for any reason. I'm they're, they're absolutely amazing people. I do know a lot of people in the music scene and in Carlisle and, um, not really out here, but, um, it is, it's, it is like, it's not just Cumbria, but I think it's anywhere that's not very, like sprawling with people it's not very vibrant and i'm not trying to discumbria at all but it's just for a po straight population issue um that sort of music like singer songwriter ed sheeran -y type stuff is just it's it does do well and it's like that's what's popular people it's inoffensive you know and i think you're trying to make it so you know in cities like london or something you or you know leeds or liverpool liverpool you'll, you'll make it by being unique whereas up here you might make it by just being acceptable mm -hmm. i think um but there are um some fantastic musicians that i've met um i'm gonna name drop um one in particular well two actually in particular one's mac benson he's a um singer songwriter but he does it in such he's he's such a fantastic songwriter and um a really emotive performer and um super underrated. He's from Carlisle. I met him and he's a he's an epic supporter. And then um he goes by the name of another musician goes by the name of Goat Herder, who's an experimental noise and ambient musician from I believe he's from Carlisle, but he's performed all over and there is a sort of weirdo scene, like a freak scene in Carlisle, because it's like kind of like it's the northernmost place. Well, northernmost city yeah. is mm -hmm. Cumbria is kind of it's unique and it's in identity i'm not from cumbria but as soon as i 
arrived i i got that immediately it's its own place it's it's got its own it's not northern it's not northwestern it's just it's cumbrian yeah. and because of that because it's so rural you get these people just doing what they want to do and it's like i mean it in the most sincerely positive way it's a freak county and it <laughs> makes freak yeah. art and it, it is a kind of good haven for that despite all you really hear of cumbrian music is um sort of like the same i guess like singer songwriter indie rock i do yeah. get that with like a most big our biggest export and huge respect to them they're, they're really successful and, and i'm a fan as well hardwick circus from carlisle um they've performed at glastonbury but um i think a lot of people would would say that they you know sound quite similar to a lot of their contemporaries in in, in genre and stuff so yeah, yeah i kind of agree with what you're saying yeah yeah definitely um while you were talking about your beats i was just interested uh, you know, now you make them what 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 software or whatever do you use um for? i'm just just uh ableton yeah um music production software mm. um it's my kit is literally my laptop right um i have a plug-in keyboard which i used to use um it was it's a midi controller so it doesn't make any sounds on its own it's just you know that um uh for the listener i guess it's just it basically just you press a button and it tells your computer to make a sound mm-hmm. um i only now use it for live performances mm-hmm. um and yeah no, it's very simple it's um it, there's sampling involved there's synthesis there's oh, music production stuff and then you know the the vocals are usually produced not in my vicinity so mm-hmm. uh, we did produce the last album and our upcoming album um, which is actually this is the last EP and our coming debut was all done in in house in Carlisle in our studio, which is my my flat, <laughs> and um, we uh, yeah so we did it like that and then we just record the beats and record the vocals and put them on top of each other. But it always starts like the instrumentals always first, yeah, definitely. And he writes over that. I think a lot of like rappers and hip hop artists do that. Yeah, I'll do it that way. I would imagine. But yeah. would, you, would you say like the production? Would you say like you deal more with the production side? and him more writing or is it kind of a even split would you say uh yeah well um it's i i'd like to i'd like to say it's an even split now it definitely used to be oh i just do beats he just does the songwriting and he's a he's a he's a great songwriter i think he's really good at telling like a straight story but i've written i wrote the all the songs for our latest ep um and i i performed them all as well but that's not to say he absolutely had a very significant impact in all of that. So it is, yeah. although despite I produced and recorded the music and, and the vocals, he absolutely had a, a huge artistic input into that. And that's how we, we talk like that. And, you know, or he might send over some lyrics and some, you know, and I, we might just say like, is this like the best thing to say? Is this like the best line? It doesn't really work this way. And he'll also say like, I don't like this, the thing you've done here, let's in, in the beats or in the, uh, in the bass or whatever. And, you know, let's switch it up like that. So we're, we're, we're like, we have our expertise, but we lend our opinions to each other and we gel. Yeah, like definitely, that. definitely. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your EP as well. I know, I know we've discussed it for the Hollis Instagram page. Would you like to tell people kind of like, cause it's called Smokey. And I think the inspiration behind that EP's name itself is like super like unique and specific. Would you like to tell people? Is what it Smokey and the Bandit? <laughs> um, <laughs> <No>. Well, that's <laughs> that was um, so. So our, our most recent EP is, is called Rock Pop um, Golden Hour Eighties or Potluck, and that's a three track 
vocal EP, but the EP before that. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no worries at all. It, it was really exceptionally low key release, so we didn't promote it at all. Um, I just put it out there because it was getting on my nerves that it was on my laptop and not finishing. <laughs> um, so uh, the, yeah, but the, the my previous EP, which um, Holler wrote about, um, was a. Uh, called Smokey because it was named after a cat in Carlisle called Smokey. Um, not a stray at all. It's got, you know, it's got a collar and it's got, probably got a lovely owner, but it's a beautiful British short hair that, um, we're, we're like obsessed with it because it, we think it's like some sort of like spirit cat, like that has, <laughs> it just appears whenever you sort of like, not joking. We've had like three times just been like the first time I saw it I was on my own and I was in just town in the day and it was just around and meowing I see a cat I stroke it I like give it some love um because they're so affectionate when they're outside I think but like um then like literally just had conversations three times just like oh well oh, I wonder if we'll see Smokey every single time we heard the bell ding 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 and it came running over to us and it was always in the night time so you think like spirit cat i don't know yeah. so we thought the last so the 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 album cover is just a, literally a, photo, a really jog photo of me stroking it and you can see it's like moving around because it's like you know um it was right by my flat and you know we just thought gotta make it i just love the i just i, I like the name smoky ep because it sounds like a proper like techno like yeah. name and, and then yeah. i thought oh it's cool let's just get a picture of a cat on there and then uh, i wanted to make i actually um made the first track meow which was because it, it samples um renegades of funk uh the cover by rage against the machine yes. which that guitar sound i just i just think it sounds like a cat <laughs> yeah. so i turned it down and i made it that and um that, that was why i thought oh let's make a cat themed ep and again that was um in, that's completely instrumental but um you know my bandmate khan definitely had a an input an input in that and how we're going to go create a direction and how we're going to go with like you know just sound and energy and he had the idea of actually making all songs flow from like the end to the start was all the same so it seemed like a continuous ep like a continuous sort of mix almost so it's that that was just one example of an input he had so yeah and you mentioned uni before so where did you go to uni i studied in preston in the university of central lancashire Right, and was that a, a music production course or something? No, like I did that? a journalism. Ah, right, okay. Actually. And, um, you know, just like, but I've always, I wanted to do music, um, but, you know, parents, as you know, very, you know, understandably thought, maybe don't, maybe, maybe maybe just use something that has a bit more of a, you know, job security, I guess. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. Like, journal, journalism, I guess, because mm-hmm. I thought... I don't know. I liked I liked writing as well. Um, so yeah, studied like English and in A level, and went on to do journalism. Um, yeah, but throughout I've always been making music. So, but it's always been a part of me, and you know. Well, I think a skill like journalism or like marketing or media knowledge, mm-hmm. being like a crea- in a creative industry, it always helps to know that because yeah. you're always going to have to have that contact with like media or mm. promotional people or anything. Yeah, or do it yourself. You know, go out and write, write your make your own content for it. Mm. Um, so I think it's still like a really useful and relevant thing to it know. Feels like one of them transferable things as well. Yeah, yeah if you like write, you you could write articles, or you could be writing lyrics or music or whatever. It's, yeah, it feels like one of them, doesn't it? Definitely. Um, and you also mentioned uh, Ableton and using a, a little controller for 
for live. So do you do a lot of live performances? Um, more, more recently, we've been um, doing a lot more. And I say we have, uh, as an act, because I, I, I think um, like Itchy's Ghost is, is more the sort of like a, a sort of a, an all encompassing, like I say multimedia because it's like photo and film. And we are making a, um, a collaborative EP of sound collage with a local artist called CJ Pitcher, who's based in Carlisle. Um, that's, we try, we, we, we've been waiting to do that for a long time with, with, uh, with them because, um, they're a fantastic field recorder. So, so we've been doing stuff like that. So when I say we, I'm, I mean, like as a, a collective, but it was solo performances that I've been doing recently. Um, and that was a big transfer because our first performance was our first couple of performances was as a duo. And, you know, there was a big like thing where I would just control the beats and, and sort of control it from that as like a sort of soundboard perspective. Yeah. And then he would do all the lyrics. And then we just realized that we write a load of really lyrically dense syllabic, um, repetitive bars that you just run out of breath when you sing them. So like, yeah, like he was like, um, can you have like a vocal track, you know, like on top of it so I can take a breath and a lot of rappers do that. And I just, I didn't like that. So I said, no, just, you saw it, just do it. Just take a deep breath. And we couldn't do it. So, so then we thought, well, we don't want to change that, but let's like, I'll get on the mic and I'll do some like, I don't know, like hype sort of like flavor flavor type stuff, yeah. but more punky. And then, then we just decided, well, we'll just write verses each. And then uh, that's on our debut EP. We've got like a proper, that, that sort of live sound was transferred to the album. Um, he's been busy, busy with um, doing his own stuff. He's just sorting life out and everything. And in that time, I didn't want it to lull. So we just kept like booking performances and then I would do solo sets and it was extremely minimal. It's like, I used to deconstruct all of the beats and the instrumentals onto my keyboard and then do them all like perform them all like that and, and edit them and remix them. Yeah. But now because of it, I've just been playing just the straight instrumentals. I do have some effects on the keyboard, like on my left hand, I've got stuff, I've got some knobs and I've got my song triggers on my right hand. And then like, I'm just basically just filling the stage with just the one man sort of presence like that. And mm -hmm. like really inspired by a lot of like old punk performers and um, current um, like hardcore rappers as well, the way they commandeer the stage with just one person, and that's just kind of what we've been doing. So, yeah, um, yeah the live set does kind of demand a physical thing, but for production, I've been keeping it. Like, I do tend to use the the keyboard sometimes, but I mean, yeah. I'll just like having. I've, I've gotten used to using the just just the trackpad and the keyboard now. Yeah, the key, yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. It's super minimal. Yeah, I know you because I know you performed um, at the. Pride in North Cumbria's 20th anniversary. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you meant, uh, so you met up, did you have contact with uh, one of Holler's content creators for that as yeah, well? Yeah, Jim. Um, yeah. She's been a, she's been a very good supporter. Uh, she went to my first solo performance in, also in Carlisle, really? um, was at the Free Radicals venue in Carlisle City Centre. Mm -hmm. um, she was there and she just went because it was, she was cool to go to that and then she, you know, caught me outside um, I had to pivot blunder that night, but she came out and just said it was great and um, did a did a little write up and that was really supportive. So I did a quote up with Jim. Yeah, that was, um, good, yeah. That, was uh, that that was I think that that um, performance at the it was at the Brickyard um, was what one of the I think that was one of the like, when we I really found the sound for a solo performance like that was when I really came into the came into our own and um, yeah I was really thankful for that and yeah Jim was Jim's a great supporter. Yeah. Holler is always a good supporter, you know, as, as yeah. are you, you know. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, it's cool. all good. Cool. Yeah. Any more questions? Mm -hmm.
So, what would you say is, like, your favourite part about making your music so far? Um, I like just... I, I, I think that if you make something that has... You know how you said, like, it's a lot of what... You know, you listen to it and it sounded quite unique. I mean, I I've, I heard when... Well, I've, I've, spoke, I'm, I've been speaking to um, a couple of people who run these techno nights in Chester. And they wanted to get me on to do a show. And they said to me, I was just sending them all my house and techno stuff. So Nightwater and Smoky EP, and they, they were just they were a bit drunk but they were really like like thankful for it and they were like oh it's really cool it's like left field enough it's conventional enough but parts of it just push push a little bit out there yeah. and that's where I like you can go so far into experimentation and then it becomes extremely alienating but and refreshing but then you can just you can rail in too much before it just becomes uninteresting and then I think that's what I like to do and try and find that middle ground and I honestly like I do just I think no one. I don't think a lot of producers or artists might want to say this, but I do actually just like enjoy the music I make. So I like just yeah. like listening to it. I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool. Like, oh, that sounds sick. And then just, um, I think just starting from you know just a bare beat, and then it's like you, you're writing songs, and then Khan's writing a song. He's writing these lyrics and he's laying them down. I just really like that whole process. I think my favorite part about making music is just like putting it out there, just yeah. um, hearing people's thoughts, and I think just like it's just the creative you know like process is just really fun to do and a lot of artists just do it for for the sake of it and that's what i think we do as well yeah 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 you mentioned that um kind of like with the cheshire you said chester um, yeah chester cheshire so. it's my hometown oh really yeah yeah from there uh Khan's from uh, a place in greater manchester i actually can't remember what the, what it's called i'm sorry but um <laughs> yeah so he's from northwest we we, we would say northwest rap group yeah. And then I moved to Carlisle. He's still living there, but um, we're like we meet up every now, every now and then. But we both studied in Preston, so cool. right. sort of really cool. Yeah. So do you do many gigs like because he still lives out of Cumbria? Do you do many gigs outside of Cumbria? Um, sometimes. Well, I used to. I used to when I was in doing a solo stuff. I did a gig and I did two gigs in Preston when I was a solo act, and it was this was just an instrumental act, um, and that was super like overly for no reason overly technical for what i wanted to, what i wanted to do because i thought it was just really cool to like do a load of random stuff because i didn't I, I watched a lot of performers of like electronic music and experimental stuff and like they didn't act, i don't actually know what they're doing but i just thought oh it must be super con- confusing so i had to do that as well because i thought oh they mu- everyone else must think that's really impressive but they didn't <laughs> um, so we did like two instrumental stuff it was like rave and just noise and big beat i guess and then um so i did two impressed and like that immediately after my second one lockdown hit and then um just that was a huge creative surge for us because we had nothing better to do um and we really got into the whole doing it over the internet thing um but gigs out in chester i'm yet to do one because um it's just when i was living there i was a kid you know so Mm, i never had the confidence or the even the talent at all i don't not that i'm not saying i have talent i'm just saying i mean i had the uh the means now to be able to know what I'm going to do on stage and exactly, be able to yeah. mean to explain that to a to someone who's putting on a show. Whereas back then I had no no way of knowing what I would even do. I just made music, and so yeah, I'm actually going to be performing hopefully this winter um, because the people who run Nexus, which is a queer techno organization in Chester, they really wanted me to do a set in a venue called That Beer Place, which is on 
uh, if you're in Chester, 4K Street in Chester. But um, it's a very lovely venue. Um, so I'm going to be doing one there this winter. That'll be cool. That'll be really and that will be, um, I'm going to be doing a, because I'm, I'm putting out another um, instrumental EP. I've not got a name for it yet, but that's going to be Ambient. And um, it's going to be a mixture of my Nightwater EP, Smoky EP, and then elements of this, which is going to be extremely um, polyrhythmic and glitchy and ambient as well. Yeah, so that's yeah. what the third EP is going to be like. And um, that's going to incorporate some of the field recordings that uh, CJ and I recorded um, out in Carlisle. And that's a very industrial sounds. It's got sounds of um, electricity. It's got sounds of radio waves that we've recorded. Um, also micro sounds of like you know plants just growing and insects moving on leaves we managed to get yeah. that stuff so wow. it was very interesting how like this is literally taking me so long to go through it all because of these recordings are so <laughs> abstract imagine. but yeah. um so that's that's what that gig will be that'll be solo instrumental and that will be the first time i've done like a sort of techno house set so that again wrapping my head around that i don't know what i'm gonna do but it'll be it'll be good we'll figure it out did covid help you to know how to work separately but together yeah definitely um i mean everyone's on zoom now everyone just gets it but um we were kind of already doing that because um like the music we're making were was uh, approachable to people online but not really like in person we never had the means or the money or the um just like really the wherewithal to sort of say oh this is a studio when everyone can come because we were kind of dead like we really keep to our own and um like the people who collab with us or want to collab with us are the people who only we really want to um and so it's kind of like we never really planned on having like a studio and doing like a fire in a booth type thing where we would just like fire on like a, a beat and then have them like doing a feature and stuff like that. So we always were doing stuff online. Um, some collabs I did before Itchy's Ghost were done with just people out in like Mexico, um, in Canada. Um, there's one thing where I remixed a Ghanaian um, person's like dubstep tape and stuff. And that was just done over like SoundCloud and stuff. And it's that international thing that we liked as well. And then we just thought, well, we live together. Let's just do that. Because we, we, even though we live together, we were dead like anxious and stuff like that. So we would still communicate over email. Um, <laughs> that's how we did it. And like, well, now we're, we're cool now. We, we've, we've come into our, I guess, what's the word? Come into our sh- got out of our shell or something yeah um (laughs) and then yeah that's kind of why but we but covid definitely i think that that necessitated using online so we kind of justified it to ourselves of being like doing it in this weird way and like remember chim said like um in that in the initial report from the free radicals gig that we were like um like something like something to do with cloud rap or like um, weirdo internet rap and I just thought that yeah. was so funny because yeah. that's exactly what it is and like it's, it's just born on the internet but yeah. I guess that's yeah. it yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah. COVID, COVID helps because it made it made it ne- necessary for us to do it and that internally we justified us our practices and then going forward everyone's still sort of hybrid working like half online half in person and stuff so it's, it's, it's the way these days you know like I mean, yeah. Zoom will forever be terrifying to me Zoom <laughs> will forever be terrifying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the Barbie film yet? Or any of this? Tomorrow, I'm going to watch one of them with my partner, and I want to. I want to watch both of them equally, but we need to. I need to figure out what mood I'm in because Oppenheimer. I've, I just. I just. I would love to see it because 
I don't particularly like Christopher Nolan that much, but I've just I, I've heard from my colleagues that like this bomb drop scene is one of the best in like mm-hmm. history of like you know the last like decade or something or last two, two decades. And then Barbie, I just want to see because it's a thing yeah. because it because mm-hmm. it that you made a Barbie film and yeah. it's like it's a product film, but it also touches on very real societal issues and stuff. And Definitely. I just it's, it, it's just look also just looks so pink and yeah. attractive and yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. so, yeah, haven't yeah. seen them yet. I don't mind if anyone spoils them, by the way. It's fine. I won't spoil them for you, don't Well, worry. I'm going to not spoil it, but I'm going to... Like, what that was my thing with Oppenheimer. I went to see Oppenheimer the other day. Um, but I was a bit disappointed in the really? explosion. Really? You know, I, yeah, I was just like... <laughs> the explosion was good. There was just only one. One? Well, it was all right, but I mean... I like Michael Bay <laughs> explosions. Well, I think, oh, yeah. You, I think, I think you the thing with that explosion was there was no CGI used. I know. Wasn't it? It was just like, yeah, they might, I don't know how they did it. It was practical. The, the, practical yeah, effects. They, they made some kind Not of an actual explosion. bomb, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> with some visual effects already, mm-hmm. but no CGI apparently. No it didn't. CGI. I heard, I read a review of it and then they were like, it doesn't focus on the on the bomb. It always just focuses on people's faces and you can, you can just hear breathing. And I think like, yeah. that's it. That's what the bomb was, but... I don't know if you, I like. I like how you said that. It was like I like Michael Bay explosion. You go there, you want all, the whole story of Oppenheimer surround is around is yeah, focused yeah. around the bomb. You want to you want to see a good yeah. explosion, you know? Yeah, like yeah. And it's all about the air bomb and like the people it was weird with like oh it was great. And it was good, good film. I'm not, don't get us wrong, but I'm like wait a minute though. The main the main thing we're talking about here is his invention, yeah. the atom bomb, and um, and I, and I was a bit like. Okay, that's the first one. Mm-hmm. That's the leading, and then there was no more. You yeah. know, sorry, spoiler alert. And then, <laughs> and then it, um, but I was just like, was that the one that everyone's talking about? And I was like, just a bit disappointed about it. I knew it wasn't going to be a Michael Bay time type yeah. film, but I'm like, in terms of explosions, that wasn't up there with yeah. the best. You know, I was just like dead on edge, like you were saying. With- Everyone was just braving. It was silence. It was a do- I was yeah. scared that I was gonna like <laughs> sneeze proper or something. Jump or yeah. something. You, it, was, it was a well yeah. done scene. Yeah. Do you think it would have been better? Like you would have been more entertained by it had it not been three hours for, for was, some uh... goddamn reason. It was three hours. Yeah, it could. I think it could have probably fit into two. Yeah. Really, yeah, yeah, uh, three these three old films just stop. You know what I mean? Because ultimately. You've got to go to the bog in that time, and you're going to miss yeah. something. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and if you went in that, you'd miss a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was moving. It moved pretty fast, really, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, you know. there's some like there's like pantom- like plays and pantomimes that are less than three hours, and they still do an interval. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on, exactly. Like- <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought Barbie was like perfect length. Really? How, yeah. long, how long was that? It's like two and a half. It two did, and a half it hours. It didn't feel yeah, like it, it doesn't though. feel From like Barbie. it. It did not yeah. feel like two and a half. It Whoa. felt like it went really fast. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So that's not much better. Is it? No, but it feels like. So like people who've done half. like the both on a belt yeah. end, they've spent like six hours. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, and then you, but like Oppenheimer was like oh, I've been looking in Carlisle. It's like you know the last screening is at like eight o'clock. You think, oh okay, I'll have to work. We'll go, and then you come out and it's like half ten. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we well, can't go to the pub. So come the next day. Pass out or something if I done them too. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it gets really hot in the rooms as well. So yeah. I don't yeah. would just pass out. <laughs> I think it was a genius marketing trend by between Mattel and whatever company created. Oppenheimer or published Oppenheimer mm. um, it was 
I mean, everyone knew that, but it was, I think it was genius in the way that it got two, it couldn't be more different films <laughs> yeah. that were just, they, the, the the whole thing was engine. It must have been, I have no proof for this, by the way, other than just <laughs> looking at previous branding campaigns, I guess, but this like, um, it was absolutely was planned to be released on the same day. So everyone would be like, what the heck? Like, why, why are these two films released on the same day? What's yeah. going to happen here? And then they were like, no, this is, this is going to be a thing. Barbenheimer, let's make it a meme. Let's make it a hashtag. Yeah. And everyone went to the cinema and you see yeah. like opening week record numbers of for, for a film in the, in the cinema mm-hmm. and for a film that's like, you know, like a 12 a films are like the, like the, the best selling ones because they're like cut across like the adult and the, and the child audience. But like, Oppenheimer's a 15. 15s don't really do that well, less, mm. let alone 18s as well, like because of the like mm-hmm. lack of accessibility. Yeah. But that was massive. Like, Lou, people really went out to watch that. And it was sort of, people said it like this whole Barbenheimer marketing campaign and meme just sort of like really re, like made like a rebirth for like local cinema. And like that, yeah. that's like a great thing. And post lockdown recovery and stuff. And you know, like he kind of like Christopher Nolan kind of signposted the start and the end of like whole COVID economics, like crisis, if you like, because the first film that was out during COVID was Tenet. And that's like an Nolan yeah. film as well. Yeah. And he was, that was also the only film that anyone really went out to see because if it wasn't that, it was like re- repeats of like old, like Indiana Jones films, or something that yeah. they would, they were had, they still had the license to and wanted to use. And then, you know, coming out of it, like, oh, everyone's going to the cinema again. Boom, Oppenheimer. Yeah. Pun intended. Literally, yeah. I saw, like, I, was, I saw this thing, I think it was on Instagram somewhere, and it was, like, like a really, it, Barbie, this really, like, light-hearted film getting released with Oppenheimer, and then it, it was a cut back to when Mamma Mia got released on the same day as The Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that, I think that happened. And I just thought that was really funny, because it was, like, basically... Two light-hearted films against like two like yeah yeah another yeah, like Christopher ones. Nolan film as well yeah. yeah yeah so what what is he up to no, <laughs> yeah, yeah I think you're right though I don't think it was an accident about the release times yeah. on them no, the, no. the first when I think about it, the first I actually heard of it was not that there was the two films it was that these two films were being released on the same day that's my first yeah. my first well thing. I didn't know what um, Oppenheimer was but I knew that it was like against Barbie yeah and then that's how I found out yeah, yeah so, it was like a versus thing yeah. wasn't it yeah, yeah. Yeah. and now they've done a blending it they made like yeah. you know fan made film posters mm-hmm. where yeah. like you know it would be like Oppenheimer like smoking his pipe with the nuke smoke coming out where it would be pink yeah I think half of the marketing done was by fans it wasn't even by like <laughs> yeah, the actual literally. company yeah. and that's how genius it was it was free free advertisement it's free free market free free marketing even you know yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great. yeah that's the best kind when people get kind of get uh, carried along with it um i think we've talked about the uh the it thing when it was all them oh, creepy clowns were around for a while yeah, yeah. you know and you're like oh, okay i you know and you're like yeah yeah, yeah everyone gets into it I don't they? Yeah. I saw they come back around every year as well sorry. I, know, <laughs> I saw somewhere that now i don't know how true these figures are so don't quote me on them but i saw somewhere that it was they spent a hundred 45 on the production of Barbie, uh, 145 million. And, but they spent 150 on marketing. Really? So they actually mm. spent more on the promotion of it than wow. the actual film yeah. itself. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because they just had like, the marketing was just like pink billboards and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, I saw that on TikTok. With, like, yeah. The date on the bottom and that was it. Right. Because the, the film spoke for itself in, yeah. in, in this, within its own concept that they made a film based on Barbie. Like that's all you need. That's all you need to market. That's why most of this, most of this marketing was just posters of the film, like, like the, the name of the film. Yeah. It works. 
because everyone <laughs> already knows what Barbie and is. Oppenheimer as well. Like the, neither of them are original tales, really, because like mm-hmm. one's based on a on a already made law from like a toy company, and the other one's based on like real life. It's based on an auto. It's based on a biography, which is based on real life, and then the way they managed to actually make it so interesting to people, but sort of retell it and like that, that was a good repackaging of mm. like just already known folk tales, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, but talking about not knowing about it, I'm recording a band at the moment. Oh, it's Void Below. I don't mind me telling you. And they, um, one of their songs that at the end, it's, um, it's that, um, recording of Oppenheimer doing I Have Become Death, Destroyer of Worlds. Wow, it's old um, radio, I don't know if it's written. And it was the, the kind of came with that sample to use at the end of one of their songs, fitting with the songs. And I'm, and I'm saying to them, that's good time and that then, eh? And they're yeah. like, what? <laughs> and we're like, it's this, this uh, Oppenheimer film's out. And they're like, is there? <laughs> yeah, no idea. No idea. Weren't bothered whatsoever. Yeah, just uh, but it's just it's just a, a cool thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, it sounds yeah. great. I think the word Barbenheimer as well. It it just sounds right. Waiting for yeah. the t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the next thing we want to talk about really is in Cumbria. There's a lot of music festivals that have happened. A lot of ones that are coming up uh, recently. Uh, last weekend it was Kendall Calling. Um, I don't know. I don't have any of you ever been to Kendall Calling or Steph or Amelia. I know you went, Amelia. Yeah. Do you want to talk about what you kind of got up to there? If um, you can, <laughs> if you can say everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, what stairs? Yeah, at Ken- what happens if Kendall good. stairs at Kendall? Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually Penrith, but anyways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was saying to you this morning, wasn't that I was shocked by everyone bringing camping chairs in and like big bean bags and that and they're all just sat out like by the main stage oh, and there was bags. like yeah there's people at the bottom who were like going for it in the crowd yeah and then you moved like a couple meters out and everyone was just sat on bean bags just chilling just sat there watching chilling i was like what's going on um yeah we went on the wednesday the wednesday yeah for a behind the scenes tour which was really good really actually yeah it was very interesting yeah yeah, yeah that was um it came about because of that Holler Creative Producers project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the Holler guys ran, what was it called? Take Back the Coast? Take Back the Coast, yeah. On Take the... Back the Coast event, um, which went really well. And then um, Andy, who's the organiser for the Kendall Colin Festival, was involved along the way. He was doing like a masterclass Zoom calling. Yeah. Um, and then offered... Uh, offered them guys a t- a behind the scenes too. So we went on the Wednesday just before it got obviously mental. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was all set up, everything ready to go. So he could take us around and show us uh, how it was all set up and how much work was going into it. And, you know, it was, it was yeah, fascinating. Yeah, the set was so good as yeah. well. Yeah, and the fence, he was saying like a month to put the fence around the site. Yeah. And they'll take a month to take it down again, you That's know. Insane. Yeah, I know. The fact that they had to go around on like little golf buggies. Yeah, just yeah. says it all, really. <laughs> I know. I didn't realize how big it was actually going to be because I'm not a festival person. So I got there and I was like, "Oh my god, it's huge!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was a big yeah. site, and um, I, I like the. Uh, they took us to the artists' village around the back mm. of the yeah. main stage, and they were they were just like 
handball and crates of... Uh, Fanta. Uh, uh, no, it was yeah. Heineken. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was yeah. like 600 crates or something, yeah. wasn't there? And they yeah. moving them by hand. And you're like, oh, it's not as glamorous as you think back there, really, is it? <laughs> no. You know, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, who was your highlight of the weekend then, of all, of all the live bands you saw? Um, I liked Example. Mm. That was. I think the crowd was just really good for that. Right. Kaiser Chiefs were good as well. Mother. Yeah, and Royal Blood. Yeah. And Ricochet. But yeah, we more went in at night when all everything right. was on, like the big acts. Okay. And then the night acts. Yeah. Yeah. First. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think like. A good crowd kind of makes it or breaks it really. Yeah. Like if it's a good yeah. performance but the crowd's dead, then it's a bit like a bit awkward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. that's what because I was in the front for them three. Yeah. So I think that's probably what influenced it. What was your guys' mm. like worst crowd experience? Like in a gig or festival? <sighs> I haven't really been to that many, so I can't really speak on it. I'll let you take a lead on this day. Oh I've been to a lot a lot of festivals and things. But I'll tell you something. And some audible things that's happened. And I think we've talked about this maybe before. One festival was cut, a Phoenix festival it used to be on. And I was sinking. Sinking? I remember you saying this, yeah. Yeah, I was sinking in mud. But the mud was made out of the uh, piss running oh, out Jesus, of a, a urinal trough <laughs> from the bloke's toilet. And it was like making mud and went out and then... I was sinking and like, and I was this, because it was like the hottest weekend yeah. ever. Everything was dry. There was whirlwinds and stuff. God. Uh, and, um, <laughs> but I'm like, why is it muddy? Why am I sinking? Because, oh. I'll be honest with you, I might have had a shandy or something yeah. or two. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, so I'm like, oh, what's going on? And then I was like looking around and seeing where this mud was coming from. And then it was just coming out of the end of this, Oh. Trough which thousands of people were using, and I was just like, "No, it's gotta go somewhere." <laughs> and I had to get rid of them boats and everything. It was absolute doom. I like, um, yeah. but I think in terms of scariness, um, I was at Reading one year, and it was when um, Nirvana played when Kurt Cobain jumped in the drum kit and broke his arm and that, and it was that gig, and. It was, uh, they were on in the afternoon because they were just getting popular then, but everyone knew. But when they obviously, when they'd been um, scheduled, they were kind of mid midday band. Yeah. By the time they came to play, they should have been head up there. So it, it got all of a sudden, it got absolutely mental in the afternoon. And we were already down the front because I think Dinosaur Junior and someone had been on. Um, and then. But it, it got absolutely mad. And it wasn't like festivals are now with these extra barriers yeah, and things. It was just that pushed. one at the front. And it, yeah, it got, and my feet weren't on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I was just getting moved about. And I was just, at, at, my arms were pinned. I was getting moved about. I was 100% at the mercy of everyone around oh me. God. It was like completely out of control. Um, and that was. Really, really scary. I I, like, yeah. I go in mosh pits. Or, no, I don't know. I used yeah, to yeah, choose yeah. to go in mosh yeah. pits. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and when like two open next, like you're in the middle of one as well. Yeah. And like you look one side and like there's a mosh pit open and then there's one next to you and you're like, oh my <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah. yeah, but I, I go in them voluntarily. Uh, and I did at the time, but this was just like, yeah, 
what is happening? I was like, my, I, I've got absolutely no control of this. And I'm just, you just knew if things fell over, you were dead. You trampled. just knew, you know what I mean? It was just yeah. one of them like horrible feelings of this just is completely mm. wrong. Yeah, there's so like little etiquette known. I think for moshing, I guess like I mean my my one was similar. I uh, saw I was young. I saw Death Grips in 2018 in Manchester, mm. and uh, the, as soon as they started, immediate just movement. I my feet weren't on the floor. It was just literally as soon as they played a note. Right. Um. It was movement. It was the best and scariest experience of my life at the same time. And then, mm. like, like, what was scary is I fell onto the ground. Oh. You God. know, and I was like, everyone's here. Everyone here's wearing, you know, like Doc Martens and and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Like, if they stand on my back, if they all do, we're gonna have a have a nasty scenario. But no, that was really good. I, I feel like I think like the 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 British, especially Scottish, actually like audience audiences for those sort of like beat down crowds are some of the best because they know what to do in those situations they mm. pick you up yeah they make space for you they check on you they get your water yeah i've seen some horrible yeah. videos of similar concerts in america though and not to diss on the americans at all but i'm just saying this is what i've seen and maybe this because like they let younger people go to those gigs mm. but they don't know what to do and then you'll see straight up just like throwing hands and stuff like why are you throwing hands like keep your arms yeah. keep your hands to yourself like, that's not yeah. what moshing is moshing yeah, is just yeah. pushing and like yeah, yeah. like oh. like we look quite lucky to be here i guess but mm. it's still yeah. no like you said though it's still like because it can still go out of control like oh that. yeah i mean that's the thing you're absolutely right choose to go into mosh pits knowing that if you go down you get picked up yeah and that's yeah. how it works and always did yeah same with stage diving and stuff like that yeah but that was just out of control it's yeah. like no one's no one's got the ability to even bend over to pick you up do you know what i mean yeah. that's just yeah. that's scary but i just think that's why probably why um festival crowds are managed the way they are now to avoid them kind of situations mm. you know well i mean uh, like astro world yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a uh, again, um, you know, that mismanagement full of very young people. Mm. Uh, again, I don't think it's like an it's an American thing. I think it's a, I think it's a fact that maybe they they have lower. I th I'm convinced that they have gigs where that are really hardcore that they don't they have a really low age rating for it, so anyone can come in. And I think that that lack of knowledge and sort of respect that you might get once you've become once you've gone through a few more or grown up a bit more, you don't have. And like yeah. Astro World, you know. He's got he you know ASAP Rocky no it's Travis Scott yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like look cut that cut that <laughs> <laughs> Travis Scott um, yeah he appeals to so many young people and like they get, again that's probably like their first gig or their first festival and so like all the other stuff that went down there like mm. the doping and stuff and like the spiking and that on top of all the cr pushing and yeah. crushing and everything like that it's just mental maybe yeah. there should be like a, a PSA they should the government mm. should do one about that they haven't done one yet mm. yeah. they spent all the time in like. 90s and 80s and 70s and stuff trying to shut down punk gigs and shut down rap gigs and shut down raves when maybe they should have just been like putting out announcements yeah. to how here's how you do it safely yeah and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. enjoy it you could embrace um, it yeah there's almost a fight in front of us at example because there was like a family in front of us and they had like quite young kids i'd say they were like 10 or something and then the people next to us were maybe like a couple years older than me so they, they weren't very old at all and they were all steaming and then for one of the songs, they like opened up their own little mosh pit, like in their group. And I was like, why are we doing this to example, first of all? Yeah. And then he like started, they were like going for it, but it was just like, John people just slam into everyone on purpose, yeah. like around them. Yeah. And he like fell into like one of the kids. Oh. So his dad was like, 
Right. I grabbed him and everyone was like pushing back and they were like, what's going on? It's like, it was fair enough that his dad grabbed him though yeah, because he yeah. was just Firstly. like running into people. Mm. How old was the kid? Oh, he looked about 10 or 11. He was like dead young. <laughs> I was just sorry, it's not funny. It's <laughs> just <laughs> like, it's just like you, <laughs> laugh at, you laugh at things like, oh my God, yeah. that's yeah. really bad. Yeah, because um, yeah, yeah. like, it's like, you know, it's, it's a festival. It's not a gig. Like you, it's going to be families and there's going to be kids there watching it like chill yeah. out. Yeah. You know, not yeah. the place. Yeah, completely. Yeah. No, it wasn't no, you're like fucking... the crowd either. It was like a day set and like, it's yeah. just not. Yeah. Shouldn't have done it. Yeah, what time was he performing? I, I never, I never like went. But like five o'clock ish. Oh, like, like it was still bright. So, so no one should really be drunk that at that point. <laughs> well, they will be, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like chill, yeah. chill out. Wait for the the DJs to come on. And all the kids <laughs> yeah. are gone. All the families are asleep. You know. Yeah. 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 yeah There's still kids everywhere. Families everywhere. I was uh, like, you just don't need to do that. No, you don't need to at festivals anyways, no. do you? Really. That kind of thing. When I think of festival, I think of more like a, not like a chill thing, but like a, it's like a, you're like there to like appreciate a bit more, whereas like maybe like a gig is a bit more like, yeah, ravey, whatever. Especially Kendall. Kendall's very, a lot of families go Kendall. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a place where young people like would go on their like, you know, trips. Like, you know what I mean? Like you'll go on like, it's like a night out in Manchester or Liverpool. And then, well, that's what I'm saying. You know, in up here, you might go to you go to Carlisle, or you might go to Newcastle or something. But like, no one, you know, Kendall's is a tourist spot. It's mm. for, it's for families. It's for like, if it's for people who are trying to have a nice, respectable time and stuff like that. Yeah. And then they bring this. I, I usually have no, I've no idea what the, what the locals think about the Kendall calling because it must be great for them. But I, I feel like in Kendall, they're quite like maybe a bit nimbyish and. They don't want a lot of riff-raff coming down for Kendall Calling and stuff <laughs> well, like that. that's the thing. It, the people in Kendall don't have to worry about it because the Kendall Calling Festival itself... It's in Penrith. It's Penrith. Is yeah. it? It's yeah, a, yeah. It's oh, a which, Penrith roundabout. gets backed up like uh, a few yeah. hours, doesn't it, on the first of, day? That was a wildlife park, yeah. um, you know, so it's it's moved to there, but it's maintained that name, you yeah. know. Like when we went on the Wednesday, yeah. I was getting a bit worried where the driver was taking us because I thought we were going to Kendall, <laughs> not Penrith. Yeah. <laughs> So that's all for this episode of the Hollow Podcast. Um, thank you, Steph, for coming along and getting uh, getting to know us a bit better and helping us get to know you a bit better. Um, music journey. Thank you, Freya and Dave and Amelia, for helping out with this episode. Um, catch you all the next one. Mm-hmm.